Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Nick Augustine, and I'm your host on this episode of Law Talk Radio, produced by Lone Star Content Marketing in Denton, Texas. This show is brought to you in part by Members' Choice Federal Credit Union in Denton, Texas, on Unicorn Lake Boulevard. You may be eligible to join Members' Choice if you live, work, worship, or attend school in Denton or Argyle, Texas. I join Members' Choice because they're a locally owned and operated credit union, and they offer a level of personal service that I just cannot find elsewhere. The folks at Members' Choice know me by first name, but still respectfully address me as Mr. Augustine when I come in. Let us all raise our standards in customer service and do business with those people who uh, respect us as we'd like to be respected and work with them on a personal level. So I do personally recommend Members' Choice Federal Credit Union here in Denton, Texas. I would like to remind all of our listeners to our program today to remember to share the on-demand links to our episodes. That would be the the link that you click to listen uh, and or if you see our programs in a blog post. Please do share those in social media sites because that's where people find all this great content. More people are sharing things on LinkedIn these days. Uh, LinkedIn is very popular, as well as traditional uh, Facebook and Twitter, uh, because this is how we really expand the reach. Many of our programs we do put together are for the benefit of our listening audience. We, again, thank our sponsors. We just want to bring good information to all those out there who want to do business better, make more money, get more referrals, and have a better life generally. All right, we can also find all of the channels and uh, programs on our main website, which is LoneStarContentMarketing.com. There is a podcast channel there. Uh, As well, the Law Talk Radio Facebook page is another place that we park all of our Law Talk Radio shows. This is uh, episode 21 in our series with Jim Thompson called Building Your Law Practice with Jim Thompson and Nick Augustine. And today we're talking about systems, processes, and policies. They're very important for law firm business development, and any business is generally applicable to as well. So from marketing to tracking the mail, adopting standard business processes makes a law firm more stable. Systems for employee management and workflow are very useful in saving time and money. Policies for marketing and business communication ensure the accurate and consistent exchange of information. On today's program, we'll talk about all sorts of different reasons why we should want to incorporate more processes, systems, and, um, and policies in our law firms and in our businesses because they're going to make streamline, streamline our office procedure. They're going to answer questions that people might have um, re- resolve uncertainty among staff and employees, uh, satisfy requirements of malpractice insurance, uh, and again, generally give everyone a peace of mind that they're following a standard policy and procedure. I want to suggest that these are things that take some time, and these are really, these are really habits that we're forming, uh, just as many of us who have been brought up in billable hour work are used to tracking things in 15-minute increments. That becomes a habit. So when it comes to mail, when it comes to communicating, marketing, 
when it comes to business, anything within the business of the practice of law, these are all good habits that we can form. And it takes some time and it takes some practice. And some of this might be repetitive to things we've talked about before, but it's good information. The more we hear it, the better we can adapt it and develop the habits. Again, this is a series all about referrals, generally speaking, referrals being the lifeblood of any business, especially with lawyers, and why it's important to find out why lawyers are not getting the referrals they need to grow their practice. We've been talking with attorney Jim Thompson, who's a retired attorney and uh, the author of a book called Why Attorneys Fail to Get the Referrals They Deserve and Need to Grow Their Practice and What They Can Do About It. Jim has been sharing resources on why lawyers are not getting these referrals and things they can do to grow their referral base. So a lot of those um, we'll, we'll hear about today, as well as our concepts of just making the business run more smoothly. Uh, Jim is a retired lawyer who's well-known for helping attorneys get on track to earning more clients through simple cost-effective activities. And again, he's the author of the book, Why Lawyers Fail to Get Referrals and What They Can Do About It. My name is Nick Augustine, and my firm, Lone Star Content Marketing, helps lawyers and small businesses share the tips and stories about their practice areas by writing and maintaining their original blog content, managing social media, and producing internet radio podcasts, newsletters, webinars, and all sorts of other great uh, promotional material. Uh, by way of disclaimer, this is a general information program, and any advice shared on the show does not constitute legal advice. Communication with attorneys on our show does not give rise to attorney-client relationships, and if anyone has further questions, they should consult an attorney in their area. Of course, our broadcast uh, rights are reserved, and as we get uh, going here, I'd like to say hello to Jim, and uh, Jim, I look forward to hearing your thoughts on how we can all make life just a little bit easier and more profitable. Hey, Nick. Uh, good morning, or I guess good afternoon to you. Um, down in Texas, I hope you're you're staying nice and cool. You got your air conditioning turned way down or up, whichever the case may be. And yes, um, sir. <laughs> we're 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 going to have a hot program today. Um, you know, All a right. couple of things that a couple of things that you you mentioned, and I want to kind of get those out of the way right at the beginning. Yes, we talk about the referrals and why attorneys don't get referrals and how you can get better referrals, and and some of the things we've talked about in some of the programs may not gel with attorneys as to how that really relates to the referral mindset, but, but trust me, it does, and I've tried to, um, you know, let people know how that, that does affect it. We're going to be talking about systems today. Well, systems, that doesn't have anything to do with referrals, right? Well, bear with me, and, and you'll see what, what, what having systems in place can do for your referrals. Um, one of the things, and we're going to get going in just a minute, but one of the things I'm going to talk about today in our systems, our policies, our procedures, and we're going to be going through a number of different things. And not everything is going to apply to every single law firm. It may apply to a solo. It may apply to a small law firm. Uh, it may apply to a big law firm. But generally speaking, it's going to apply across the board. One of the things that, that I've seen so many times when I've talked about this with lawyers is, hey, Jim, that, that sounds really great. Um, I'll get started on it tomorrow. Okay, and you know, we all know tomorrow never comes and we never get around to do it. One of the reasons that we don't get, and I'm putting myself in this, this uh, uh, situation also, is one of the reasons we don't get around to doing some of these things is because it seems like such a huge task. 
I'm going to go over some policies and some procedures that I think you should have in place. And at the end of the program, you're going to go, hey, Jim, that was some great advice, but, you know, I just don't have time to do all those things. So what I really want to encourage you as we go through this program is to think about doing things that, that really pertain to your practice, but also doing them in little blocks of time. You don't have to invent a whole wheel tonight. You know, start just small, but keep on building and building and building. Each day, maybe each week, whatever the case may be, add something to it. I don't want you to sit down and say, okay, I've got to come up with a policy manual tonight. And, you know, Jim gave me this great advice, and Nick gave some great advice, and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write this policy manual tonight. Well, we all know that isn't going to happen. But if you can start small, if, if there's one thing that I say or Nick says that, that resonates with you, start there. Now, let me back up and talk about, about systems a little bit. And, and we've all heard systems and why they're important, et cetera, et cetera. And um, many of you have heard me talk about Michael Gerber, who basically uh, is, is a marketing, noted marketing uh, guru, if you will, been in business and as a marketing consultant for 30 years. I think Michael's probably 80 years old right now. And um, he's written a book, The E-Myth. And he's also written another book, and I'll put a plug in for it, uh, The E-Myth Attorney. If, uh, if you want to know some systems and things you need to be doing in your, your office, that would be an incredible book to buy. Or if you're like me, you can get the CD set and listen to it. Uh, I think it will cost you $26, and you can get it on Amazon. I get nothing out of it, trust me. I, I just think it's one of the greatest things I've come across for small law firms and, and, and solos. And... Uh, so I, I would highly recommend that. But one of the things that Gerber says in, in his books is that systems permit ordinary people to achieve extraordinary results predictably. In other words, by using systems, you, you, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. You start using systems and you're going to see certain things happen in your practice. Um, when, I, when I teach courses, and we, we talk about systems and that, I'll write up the, the word systems on the blackboard, and for each letter, uh, and I'll write something beside it as to what I think a great definition is or, or, or a way to think about systems. And basically, here's what systems mean to me. And you go, the S means saving, Y, yourself, and then some time, Energy and money. I don't know where I heard that. It's not my own doing. Um, but with the S on there, uh, I added this. And I don't know whether I added it or I heard it somewhere and it just resonated at some point and picked it up. But I added the S. So basically, to me, systems mean saving yourself some time, energy, and money starting now. And the starting now is the important thing. And, again, that's why I kind of prefaced a lot of what I said with you can um, take it in little chunks of time, but start, but start, but start. And that's kind of the key advice that I'd give you um, right now. Uh, one of the things, and, and when you start putting systems in place, uh, as simple as where are files kept, 
you know, we've all, myself included, when I was practicing, were always looking for that lost file, that file nobody could find. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it happened to be buried at the bottom of a pile of papers on my desk or one of the associates' desks or something Or in like your vehicle. Uh, or anywhere else, under, under a coat, a jacket. There's a great picture I saw where, you know, it's actually titled The Lost File, and everybody's scrambling in the office looking for it, and the file is kind of peeking out a little bit from where the attorney had hung his coat on a hook above a chair. Great, great illustration of exactly what we're talking about. And how long do you spend looking for a file? Now, I'm going to take this just, just to get you start thinking about something. If you had a procedure, where is that file? Somebody checked it out. Nick checked the file out. I go, I ask the secretary to find me such and such file, and nobody can find it. Well, she goes into the file thing, and there's a little, you know, slip or notation or whatever you want to do that says Nick's got it. Oh, hey, now, hopefully we can go to Nick's office and find it, but that's another story at another day. But the bottom line is, let's just say that I bill, and I'm going to make it real easy, $300 an hour. And I spend an hour looking for that file. I've just cost myself $300. Now, this is very basic, but when you think about it, okay, I've just cost myself $300. Add that to, well, maybe it happens again the next week. Okay, so $300 a week times $300 a week times 52 weeks, it adds up. You know, you don't think of those in terms of how much are you costing yourself by not having <coughs> certain systems, certain things in place. And I use the file as, as, as a, a very simple example. But I want to go through just some policy things that um, you, you need to be aware of. Some of these things, are, you're not going to understand why they're going to save you money. But trust me, I'm going to try and give you a couple of examples and you'll see. One of the first things that, that you need to have a policy in your office about attorney-client confidentiality. Now, we as attorneys know that what is told to us is attorney-client privilege, right? Now, have you got a policy that your staff knows about the attorney-client privilege? That is you know, the secretaries, paralegals, even associate attorneys, what is in the office stays in the office. And it's mm -hmm. privileged information. And, you know, this, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've gone out, I'm sitting in Starbucks doing something, waiting on somebody, and I this happened oh, two weeks ago. There's two young ladies sitting next to me, and you could tell kind of by the way they were dressed, were somewhat professional, but they were paralegals. And they were talking about a case. Now, I'm sitting there, and I'm overhearing everything they're saying. Okay, it doesn't mean anything to me, right? But what happens if I'm uh, an attorney that regularly would refer clients to that particular law firm? And I'm sitting there going, well, wait a minute. I'm not going to send some of my clients to that law firm because they got paralegals that have loose lips. You see where I'm going with this? So you need to make sure that there's a policy in your firm that people understand about attorney-client privilege. It's very simple, something I don't think a lot of people think about. But, um, you know, it's something that just really, really resonated with me, and, and I've had it happen a couple of times. And so, you know, be aware of that. 
And I'm just going to touch on a few basic things. And there's, uh, you know, we could go on for three or four hours on the program and talk about some of these things. But uh, I just want to get a few things out of the way. Um, and and, and, and the, the, the importance, I think, of having an employee manual. Now, if, if we've done corporate work, and I'm sure we stress to corporations, to our corporate clients, that they need to, if they have employees, that they need to have an employee manual. Very simple, right? And we stress that to them. But then again, we have our own employee manual about a number of different things. Again, you know, hours, stress, all the stuff that goes into an employee manual. Do law firms have an employee manual? And you'd be surprised at the number of times I go in and I ask the law firm, we're talking about things, I says, oh, by the way, do you, you, you have an employee manual that you have your employees sign? And they'll look at me like, uh, employees sign? We don't even have an employee manual. Boy, are you going to get set up for a lawsuit? You know, you fire somebody and uh, they come back and say, well, you know, what, were you, what was your firm's policy on that? Uh you see where I'm going with that? We don't have Well, it, so, Jim, if I could jump in there for, really sure, quickly. Sure. I want to ask people how many people have read their professional liability and malpractice policy. Um, you know, there may be, you know, just with mail. I remember one, one firm I worked at, there was, you know, the record of what went out during the day. And the final thing was a, just a, you know, a binder by the front office. And everything that went out to the mailman had to be written down in the binder. And it was duplicative of other records. But, again, it was another in case the computer went down, in case something else went down. You now have a record. And the person who had this set up told me about a situation where something got out or didn't go out or something got lost and a malpractice claim was denied because the policy required a backup system and there wasn't any. Oh, yeah, and, 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 and reading and knowing what's in your malpractice insurance policy is so important. What are your backups? All the things that go into it, we're not going to go into you know, each and every insurance policy, but each and every insurance policy is written different. It's up to you to understand what you're doing and, and, and how uh, we all know, especially if we um, were plaintiff's attorneys, we all know how uh, insurance companies will look at every single thing in order to be able to deny a claim. So you need to be aware of what you need to be doing to protect yourself. Um, I'm going to talk about this a little bit. What, what policies do you have in place in your law firm about what you do about referrals? In other words, uh, when somebody refers a case to you, what is your internal policy? Do you pay a referral fee? We're talking about lawyer to lawyer. Um, what about if a, a non-lawyer refers a case to you? Do you have a policy with regard to, and I don't want to say paying a referral fee because we know that's unethical, but say we talk about rewarding that client, or do we have a policy that says the minute we get a referral in, we thank that person. We talked about this ad nauseum before. What is your policy so that your secretaries, your, your associates, know they get a referral from somebody? What is your firm's procedure? They send an email. They send a letter. They send whatever. They may send a gift, whatever it happens to be, and I'm not trying to tell you what it should be. You just need to make sure that you have something in place there. What is your policy for keeping time records? Now, uh, I know uh, lawyers will say, yeah, well, I keep time records of what I do, et cetera, et cetera, and that's great. 
But I also want you to think about keeping time records in terms of where your time goes during the day. You know, it might not just be keeping time records for, for client matters. It's your own. Where is your time going? I have clients all the time say, well, I want to put you on a marketing program, and here's what I want you to do. Once, every day I want you to do an hour of marketing. Jim, I can't do that. I just don't have the time. Said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to see where your time goes during the week. Just do it for one week for me and keep track of your time. And I will almost guarantee you that everybody can find an hour a day to do marketing. So 15 minutes here, 10 minutes there, whatever. But we waste so much time. And I put we in that um, category. Me, I, I, I sit there and I waste a lot of time. And once we start tracking exactly what we're doing time-wise. Now, also, if you are going into uh, flat fee billing, which a lot of firms are doing right now, uh, how do you know which to charge? Well, you know, you, you, if you start in you know, corporations, hypothetically, I'm going to do a corporation. I know my fee is going to be $1,500 for whatever I'm going to do. Well, what do I do for that $1,500, and how long does it take? Maybe I'm finding that at my billing rate of $300 an hour, is uh, am, I, am I spending more than five hours doing that, or am I spending less? So that's why I'm also saying keep time records, not not for the billing purposes, but for finding out. And also the time records <clears throat> for your secretaries, time records for the associates to know how much value they are really providing to the to your offer. Now again, I'm talking in terms of maybe one or two or three associates. Maybe you're solo, that doesn't mean anything to you, but still you gotta keep time records for yourself as a solo. To, to figure out what, where's your time going, where's your time being wasted, that type of thing. Um, you know, uh, there, there's, there's uh, just a myriad of, of different things right now that you need to be thinking of. Um, we're going we're gonna to touch, I guess we got about maybe six or seven minutes left, so I make, uh, this time just flies by when you're having so much fun. It sure does. Uh, I'm making um, good notes of all these things, too. One of the things that you, you should have a policy uh, is communication. And that is, I'm not talking about answering your return phone calls. I'm talking about letting your clients know when something new happens in their case. What is your policy? Something, uh, a judgment just came down. You just got a notice of this. You need to have a policy. Again, this is not just for you. It's for the other staff, other people in your office. What do you do when, when you get something in that pertains to somebody's case? Do you let them know by email? Do you send them a letter? Do you phone call them? Do you document it? Um, and then you also need to make sure your clients know that when something happens to them, maybe it's uh, maybe they're involved in an automobile accident and they just went to the doctor and the doctor says, okay, I'm going to release you, or whatever the case may be. The client needs to know that this is part of your policy. You can take up even a policy form for some of your clients, when something happens, please let us know. Here's something that I, <clears throat> I come across, and it may or may not pertain to you. What is your policy for declining cases? Okay? Uh, first of all, you know, are we involved in a telephone consultation? And uh, does that person think that there's been an attorney-client relation set up when you give them a free consultation over the phone? You know, so it's very, very important that if you're going to do a telephone consultation, whether you charge or you don't charge, 
that if you uh, are not going to take a case, that you document that by virtue of sending them a letter. Hey, Nick, thanks for the phone call. Um, I, I really appreciate you contacting me. Unfortunately, at this particular time, based on the facts that you told me, I don't think you should go forward or I cannot go forward and represent you. Bingo. Because what's going to happen? Oh, John calls you on the phone. He talks to you about his personal injury case. He says, you know, um, it happened uh, and the statute of limitations is two years and it happened, you know, one year, 11 months ago. And he thinks you're their attorney, right? All of a sudden, <clears throat> excuse me, all of a sudden, um, the statute goes by, and he calls you up and says, well, what did you do on my case? Well, wait a minute, you never retained me. Oh, bar complaint, bingo, okay, or malpractice case. So, yeah, you got to have that procedure in place for, um, you know, declining so that everybody knows. Um, uh, you know, and, and I'm going to hit some of these just really quick. Um See the, the, the procedures in your office. We got policies, we got procedures, and policies are one thing. Procedures are a little bit different, but they also flow right into that. You know, how do you? What do you do when a client comes in? What is your procedure? Do you have a form that the person fills out? Them, or when somebody calls and and they want to retain you and they're coming in for an appointment, do you send them a a packet that says, "Please fill this out so that we'll have the information when you get here." or when the person shows up at the office uh, for, for an appointment, what do you give them? What do you give them after the appointment? What do you give them after you re- they retain you? Uh, simple, how do you answer the phone? I, I can't tell you the number of times I've called law firms and I have been so turned off by the way the phone is answered. You know, the old law firm, like, geez, you're doing me a big service even answering the phone. But I would suggest this. You know, call your law firm once a month or have somebody else call just to see how the phone is being answered. But if it's being answered in a sloppy way, whose fault is that? Maybe it's your fault that you've never properly trained the receptionist or the secretary or whoever answers the phone. Now, remember this. You know, who's going to answer that phone? Probably everybody in your office at one time or another may pick up the phone. Even the senior partner just may, you know, pick up the phone. So there should be a procedure on how that phone is answered. Um, there should be a procedure um, on how messages are taken. You know, you, you mentioned something earlier, Nick, about mail going out, documenting what mail was sent out, documenting what mail comes in. You know, the problem is, and this is one of the problems with the practice of law today, we have got the practice defensive law, and it takes extra time. It takes extra time to do it, but you've got to really be cognizant of making sure that everything you do is documented. Um, you know, and what are you, what are you going to do? What is your procedure when you close a file? You know, we talked at length about on a referral basis. When, when when the client comes in and you're finished with the matter, how do you close that? Or what do you do? I'm not talking about physically closing the file. Well, you need to have a survey that the client can take. We've talked about this at length. You know, Mr. Jones, we'd like to, if you don't mind, we always are trying to improve our services to our clients. Would you mind if we sat down for 15 or 20 minutes and I asked you a few questions? And I wrote about this in my book. And, you know, uh, bottom line is, 
you know, you start them talking about what you did right and some of the things you could do better. Never ask them what you did wrong again. But what could we do better? You start finding out if there's a pattern, you know, and of course we're probably all going to find that. The phone call should have been returned. That's, that's a given. But if we find there's a pattern, we need to start changing things. But if you don't have something in place where that happens, then guess what? You're not going to do it. You're going to forget to do it. Oh, my gosh. You know, I, got, I, I closed the case. We settled the case. I, we passed checks on the PI matter, and John left the office. And guess what? We never talked about having a, a client survey because there wasn't a form in the file. Okay? This is what I'm talking about. Have certain things in place where you can then go back and know that you're going to do something on a regular basis. Um, how much time we got, Nick? We're just about done. So just okay. uh, if you could maybe tell the folks at home how they can get a copy of the book. And I just want to suggest to everyone listening that these processes, procedures, SIP policies, and all this does not have to be complicated. I think that because technology is what it is, we tend to overcomplicate things for them for ourselves. Sometimes a simple letter will get the job done. Just do something simple and have a simple practice, like a billing. I remember when I was in uh, law school, the guy who taught us about ethics and billing said, you know what, you can use a fancy system or you can write the billing out on little paper plates and toss them into the corner. You know, as long as you're doing something, that's the system and do it consistently. Yeah, and, and along that, you know, the old kiss to keep it simple, stupid uh, goes a long mm-hmm. way. But but the important thing is, and, and you kind of just hit on it too, keep it simple so that you'll start doing something. You can build yes. it. Okay, here's my, here's my system for taking phone messages, okay? And you, it may be one line, and tomorrow you figure something. I've got to add to that. There's something, you know, start simply, start adding to some of these things. And, and that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about, you know, sitting down and totally reinventing the wheel. It could be as simple as you want to make it and then build on it. Um, but as far as the book, if you want a copy, uh, I'll send you an e-book. Uh, it's J-E-T at lawyersmarketing.com. 